0: This is SideQuest Completed, the happiest Game Dev podcast with your hosts Calvin and JC. Coming to you every Wednesday with encouragement and advice on making your game a reality. Let's see, today's topic that was enjoying Game Dev for its own sake.
1: Yeah, I'm right. looking forward to that topic. Yeah, Because it's something I have to um, remember a lot, especially whenever I'm having trouble going or when I'm feeling bad about projects I haven't finished or ones that i Loose theme on, you know.
0: Oh, I identify all too well. I've actually been struggling between today and our last recording to get in some time in on my small project, uh, sweet turnips. There's always mm-hmm. something else happening in the evening or over the weekend, and I kind of miss it. It's a nostalgia for it. It's only been away from it for what two weeks, so go figure.
1: Yeah. So a lot of times we have topics that could be interpreted different ways, and sometimes that comes up in the conversation. But I thought. Maybe we try to define it at least for each for ourselves, and maybe yeah. more different definitions. So, for you, what does that idea of game dev for its own sake? How do you interpret that? Like, whenever we had that topic come up, what did that mean to you?
0: I would say it'd be a range, anywhere from an experiment with programming or other work, editor, or what have you, even just design work in your head or on paper that you never expect to release. You're not doing for the sake of having a game out there in the world or just like, play around with various other things there. Upward to just doing it while still expecting to release it, but without expectation of like making a product out of it. So something you make for a sake like, just to have it out there. Like, for example, Anthratari is more of a labor of love than any sort of expected second income. So that's something I make for it's sake. When I play around with Sweet Turnips, that's making game for it's sake. Game jams are almost always that, especially if there is no intrinsic prize, no reward for doing it so Ludendari entries are all people doing it for their own sake
1: okay that sounds about on on track with with what I think of and I mo- I mostly think of the the ones that never get released or get released as something that you can tell is intentionally unfinished yeah yeah Think for you don't worry at all what that end product is you don't worry what it looks like to anybody else um, you don't adjust the game for an audience whether that's just for the audience or for sales, you don't um, create an obligation to yourself or to yeah. anybody else as far as what that game becomes or how much of it you do, um, and it sort of disconnects a lot of the external pressure of of game working. Um, you know whether that's on being able to profit from it, being able to get other people to play it, being able to make something that other people even like. Um, you know, it's just it may even be that you don't ever want to share with somebody else because it's like the uh, the making of it itself is the part that you're that you're after, and you don't have to follow that up with marketing, release, with anything else. It's just um, like
0: when people writing poetry back in the day; they weren't necessarily writing it to fill a checkbook. They're writing it to, for the love of the craft, for maybe one or two other people to read it, if that they enjoy it. Yeah,
1: your- I, I, yeah. I was going to. We have some of the things like this is a, a thing of plenty of disciplines. People write short stories. People write whole novels and never yeah. publish them just because they enjoy that. People make mm. music and have been making music for hundreds of years. Thousands know, of years. Else. Yeah. Tens of different. thousands of years. Maybe yep. hundred thousand yep. plus. Um, plenty of people have, you know, sketchbooks that they fill with their own drawings, paintings, sketches, anything else. Um, just for the, the personal enjoyment of the art. Um, I, I, like game, or like many things, I think game dev seems to stand out here. Um, there's definitely plenty of people doing that that they take this approach, uh, whether that's just on the side in addition to make to an act, a full game project, as you might say, or or as their only focus on game dev. Um, and I think when I think of this sort of game dev for game dev's sake, the first person that always comes to mind is Chris McFunkypants. I've um,
0: name. Who is that? Though? He
1: he runs the One Game a Month uh, uh, website, which is oh. really really kind of um, crystallizes the game death for game death sake because they are it all it is all about not even completing the game but doing the work and then moving on to make something else that you also enjoy. Um, mm, yeah. You know the box of it is not what can you... it's, it's almost like a constant jam uh, doing that just as the the constant rhythm of your output it's like a jam um, loop
0: like a reiterating jam
1: yeah but his his whole attitude really kind of reflects this sort of um just loving making games um it, it kind of feels like if you took a teenager in the 90s who had q basic <laughs> or a copy of borland c plus plus that they got from an uncle yeah and just did stuff on their own with no internet access and shared it maybe with their friends on floppies, but you know didn't have an actual audience. But just loved that they could make games. If you took somebody like that and put them in today's world on Twitter, that's what. Oh man, and I love it. It's it's so inspiring, and it makes me remember how much I liked making games before I even could share them with anybody. It really brings you back. Yeah, i I've seen I've seen projects that uh, friends made back in like Q Basic and still have a copy of that are more complete than things i've made now where i you know have all these resources and people i could share them with and you know and these are projects that somebody made when all they could do was show it to a friend who happened to be over the, to, at their house that day
0: yeah so there's a little bit of jealousy there but i do know oh yeah
1: i don't have anything from back then i am very jealous with my friends that still have q basic code from yeah i
0: had to go really deep to see if i could find anything so i can't imagine much survived from the turn of the century i know uh one thing you talk about in writing, one of the best things you can do for the quality of your work is to write with a particular person in mind, as if you're writing to them versus a broader audience. Hmm. And that lends a that can lend a lot of quality to the work. In some ways it's a creative constraint. If you're only worried about that one person versus pleasing many people, you don't have to decide which answer is the most general or generalizable. You choose the one that fits to this one criteria and cut stuff that's not relevant add more things you think you might be missing that one person would appreciate being there. And it's very much good counter to scope creep. So if you know they're going to be bored by something you feel like including for the sake of including, or unnecessary exposition or explanation, for something you know they would already know, that helps you pare down to the most relevant stuff. And that's because the way our brains work. We're much better at imagining individuals than we are aggregates of people. And so... There's a lot to empower the author, be it a game or a novel or a letter or music, what have you. If you write it for that one person,
1: so I I kind of feel like a big old corporate dork for making the connection I'm about to, but this <laughs> reminds me a lot of the practice of um, personas in software design. You know, working with uh, a out like these imaginary people that represent all the different uh, types of users condensed that, that your software is for. Um, exactly
0: that, but just a real person, sort of a uh,
1: Abstract person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's one reason a lot of AAA games feel a little soulless is that they're trying to reach as many people as possible and turn away as few people as possible and can't go too deep in on any one thing without worrying
1: about reducing their audience size. So, if we're talking about games for the sake of game dev, yeah, or game dev just because, you know, what I'd like to capture in this conversation, what do you love about making games? Like, you know, what is the thing about making games separate from, you know, the products you're making, the audience you're um, building something for, you know, any, any of that outcome, like, what is it about just making the game, getting your hands dirty, uh, whether that's in code or, or assets or, or anything else, you know, like, why why is it enjoyable by itself?
0: I would say a lot of it's just the craft part, same way that's really fulfilling to put together something with wood and be able to show your handiwork. I feel like you really accomplish something same way when i have a playable game there on my computer it's just fulfilling because i know i just produce something engage a creative act in this case in code instead of other stuff i know what i'm doing it often feel like puzzle solving because i'm having to figure out why something doesn't work or how it would make something to work and it very much scratches that itch and it's just oftentimes games i make are fun to play around with
1: yeah What one thing that i Learned about myself as far as what I really enjoy with uh, game development is I found that the the kind of positive feedback loop you get from testing your own game and being able to interact with it. And it is like just like building a UI, even like just yeah. making something you can see and virtually touch. I found that if I make a game that I can test on my tablet where I can actually touch and interact, it multiplies that feedback loop. So yep, you know, yeah. getting your hands on it feeling like you're holding a thing in your hands that you've made that is also interactive. Like you said about like woodworking, like if you could do that, if you make, you know, a piece of woodworking, it was also interactive, maybe even like a wooden puzzle, like something that you can in your hands, um, especially for people who grew up with games. So like interacting with them for our brains is the, an extension of like an actual physical thing that like our brain thinks of it the same way. So yeah. we, we hit the same neurons uh, firing positively for that kind of interaction. Uh, and then there's, there's also the potential for, depending on the type of game you're making, for making something that you can interact with and be surprised by. Yeah, um, that that is a wildly uh, enjoyable experience. You know, to be surprised yes, yes. by your own creation, which you can't do when you wrote something. Or, or, well, you can't do by itself. You can have a surprise in how an audience reacts to a story you wrote, for example, but the the product itself can't surprise you.
0: Oh, I actually would counter that. Oh, it's a common thing ahead. in writing. I've experienced it too, where it starts to feel like your characters are more in control of the story than you are. You manage to develop enough of an unconscious understanding of what these people, these other characters would be like. Mm-hmm. They start, that mapping becomes more real than the plot you put together beforehand. And many a writer has found their story going in a very different direction than they expected, or pleasantly surprised by these characters' quote-unquote choices. So, okay,
1: that that that's definitely true for like while you're still creating it, but uh, yeah. you know, still the end product, you never go back and you're not going to read the, that final draft and be surprised once it's written. Which you know, that's the that that's the the experience that I was trying to to reflect. But you're you're right. Um, every every creative endeavor is interactive in in one way or another. Just games are the only kind that are creative after you've made them.
0: Yeah. just um, because if you make a game with enough emergent behavior, you can still be very pleasantly surprised. I think Mm -hmm. I've been playing Breath of the Wild again lately. And I remember solving one puzzle by just laying the metal. It was an electricity puzzle. I just laid down all my metal weapons in a line to complete the circuit instead of using the available pieces. And that was possible because metal stuff conducts and the electricity in the map, and all just came together without them having to explicitly program that compatibility into the system.
1: It would be very on-brand to mention... uh dwarf fortress at that yes. point because i uh, just last week actually i watched an interview with the the creator about Ooh. the cats get drunk from walking on the bar <laughs> floor bug that they had to to deal with a couple of years ago the yeah. notorious one changelogs
0: um, fortress are simultaneously astounding and terrifying kind of like and, looking at a train wreck uh-huh. going by it's and like, what happened to result in that cow being 30 feet in the air
1: it was really fun to see um to see the the actual programmer talk about that because like we find it fascinating, but we also are looking you know out we're looking in from from the outside and we don't know the intricacies of the inside. But to know that it's just as aesthetically enjoyable for the lead programmer to to tell that story the story of that bug and to have discovered that as someone who doesn't know how it all works is yeah. is great because that shows that that sort of surprise in the creative process itself. Just like following your characters and the decisions that they'll make, whether you planned it or not, you know that that is an experience that uh, a lot of game developers might want to chase. Like I know, I'd love to make a simulation-heavy systems game where those sort of interactions can surprise me. Oh
0: yeah, or like mod support. Be pleasantly surprised at what other people build out of your game because you left yeah. doors open for people to get in there and mm-hmm. play around with it. I mean, look at everything that came out of the Source Engine.
1: Or um, games like. Little Big Planet, like the people yeah. who made that, being able to see dreams all the, the all the things, yes, Drink Little Big Planet, dreams, anything like that, where the creators can go and see all these amazing variety of other games that people have made on top of theirs. Yeah, uh, it yeah. means that you know they created the seed that grows into millions of. Cause there are little, literally millions of Little Big Planet levels now. Uh, to see that come out of the one thing you created, it's got to be like mind blowing as, as far as amazing. a. Return on well, I hate to use the term because it's really uh, return on investment. Uh, to yeah, the return on investment. If I wish, there was a better yeah. term for that sort of thing without sounding financial. Um, but yeah, oh, that, investment
0: a non monetary investment, right?
1: Right, a creative investment.
0: Exactly. A quick test. Are you hearing an echo? Nope. Okay, it's so my end. Of,
1: yeah. So yeah,
0: it's like it's still investment anyway, one way or another. And um, the you, more value you get out of that investment, the more likely you are to do it again. And find more uh, fulfillment there. The mastery of the craft is intrinsically fulfilling, and it's you know, perfectly fine to expect to return on your investment. The last thing you want to do is spend years working on game stuff that you don't enjoy or doesn't ultimately reward you, either be it
1: personally, financially, emotionally, whatever. Yeah. So I'm glad that you mentioned uh, mastery of the craft there because I wanted to turn the direction a little bit. We're talking about enjoying the creative process for the, the surprises and things come out, but there's another side of that, which is the the opposite of the surprise, getting a game to do a specific thing that you want it to do. And the struggle of that sometimes, you know, maybe getting a platform jump to feel just right. Implementing a rendering trick for, for shadows that you have been reading up on and finally getting the shaders right. Uh, you know, there's so many things, especially things that you can see in other games where you're trying to build a technique, maybe it's your first time implementing pathfinding and you get to watch oh, yeah. those enemies go and walk around the wall that you've made in the test level and go you know watch them take that path. Like you know, you'll make a bunch of random walls and you'll watch them zig around. And it's so rewarding to actually have a specific thing you're trying to, to do and just, just like with that that feedback loop of holding it in your hands, like getting able to to see and have an interactive solution to this problem you've been trying to tackle. You know, programmers love problems and love solving them. And a lot of times, the solutions we have um, are a little invisible, especially if you're doing you know, oh, yeah. back-end oh, yeah. work, um, if you're a systems programmer of some sort, you know, if you're anything other than a a front end UI developer. Basically, you're building something where you know the it's tests and reports that are going to tell you that you got it right. Um, you don't really get to see and and get that firsthand experience of the thing you built. Yeah, it's often like
0: building plumbing in that. Ideally, yeah. no one would remember it's there and it would just work
1: and right. like, it, behind the walls. And and I, and I love my programming work of every Same. level, Same. but there is a definite visceral uh, feedback loop that can happen from something you can see, especially to interact with. And game development is so much of that. Oh um, yeah, even even things that aren't as visible. So like sometimes you know you can feel how much more fluid the game is whenever you optimize some tight loops that were causing a slowdown. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything you do has a re- a response in the system that you can feel or experience. And so the feedback was stronger in game development is in any sort of programming, but it's the feedback loop that is fundamentally building on the same uh, the same thing we enjoy uh, for programming, for programming sake, from all levels, yeah. it's just a different, more direct feedback loop we can get.
0: Yeah, it's like being an auto engineer, an auto mechanic, and then building a race car in your garage. Like you can feel how much tighter it turns, or how um, other car term insert here. Um, that's very rewarding because you know that was your handiwork that made your car that much faster, that much more efficient, that much more maneuverable.
1: Yeah, or like right now I've been putting all this new desk this new office furniture together, setting up a new work and uh my own personal play environment in my office and nice. You know, now I'm sitting right now, recording this for the first time with a, a new a new setup um, where I have a lot more room to breathe. I have um, a better setup for where my mic is placed. Uh, You know, this is all. So I got to, like, I'm getting this immediate same feedback with the work I put in. Nice. And I'm experiencing it directly.
0: Yeah, and hopefully listeners will also be able to hear that too. I've been drinking my own setup here in the office, and hopefully it'll sound a little better. But yeah, it's like, again, uh, podcasting is the same thing. We're slowly upgrading our craft. There's the episode we can listen to. Recording relatively quickly, and we're slowly getting better. And it feels good to build expertise. I'm a much better podcaster than I was this time 18 months
1: ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's one more craft that, that we're enjoying learning about. It gives an excuse to learn um, about new things that I didn't have a reason to before. An excuse yeah. to buy some fun toys that I didn't have to before. Yeah. Not, not a lot, but you know enough to know what it is I can't afford to buy. That's, oh, yeah. that's the level I, I, I aspire to get to in all these. Just get to learn enough to know what it is I'll never be able to. Oh,
0: yeah. And maybe this, this podcast turns into a breakout hit, or your games turns into a breakout hit. Then, yeah, buy that uh, fancy gamer chair. Yes, guess that's why we visit a lot of indie games that people remember well. We can look at how they started as labors of love and eventually turned into success stories.
1: You know, that that, that is a really common um, story, and I do enjoy those a lot. Um, I loved watching any game and movie uh, for all of its faults. So love the movie. Yeah. Um, there is, I think, a gap where we we don't have any community mechanism in place to appreciate the labors of love that remain labors. Yeah. Which is the majority of the labors of love. And they still are just as valid as the Meek Boys and the Minecrafts. So yeah. I don't know how to... There's, place, there's ways to appreciate that. Um, if you are a game developer and you hang out in game development forums, whether that's r slash game dev, tick source, you know, once we've talked about plenty of times before, uh, or our own discord, if we get enough people out in there, then there's plenty of conversation you can be part of, or just the devlogs you can follow of, of people working over years on labors of love of games that they were passionate about making um, that either through unfortunate events or because it's not their goal never became a big hit never made it to the top 10 on steam uh you know never made a full-time job for their creator but we're still both fantastic outcomes and also fascinating projects you know a lot of times whenever you follow especially at the devlog level you can appreciate what went into the game not just what came out of it which is also a different level of, of being able to appreciate the the crafts of the game and not just the product um I'd, I'd love to have a way of showcasing or, oh, know, yeah. for there to be a way for those uh, uh, more so. of them. I know uh, yeah.
0: here in New York uh, we actually have the Museum of Moving Images which started with stuff more focused on video, film, whatnot but they get increasingly into video games as another moving image and so they'll have it's an annual conference they have there probably not this year for obvious reasons but been to it in the past I got to meet Christine Love in person she was demoing a game there lauren or schmidt might have been there as well so not a small like not a small turnout very interesting but i love more like play crafting it's like another thing here in new york where they bring a bunch of people in with unfinished games to show off anywhere from simple prototypes i mean literally on paper to visual demos to nearly completed things are coming out soon and it's a space just for your game to be as opposed to be marketed can exist as a thing you can enjoy for its own sake. It was always a that great pleasure. fabulous.
1: Oh yeah, it was a great like. pleasure
0: bringing Anthotari in its early stages there and getting that kind of uh, enthusiastic feedback and positive rapport with players. Yeah, so I guess that's really something you to listen or could try and organize get in touch with local universities, probably have some program or another, be it the drama department, theater film department, art school, computer science department, one of them we'll find full of game devs looking for excuses to show off their work hit up museums, always looking for good ideas, find maybe a co- uh, co-working space. We uh, could be looking for that. Now we have Baby Castles, also here in New York, that their whole purpose is to provide a space for any game devs to work in and a space to show off work. So, yeah, this is a thing that doesn't actually exist and more people can make more of. I mean, we have like so many game dev conferences or because people got together and said, hey, let's have a game dev conference. I'm thinking uh, Bang Bang Con. B A N G, B A N G C O N. Another one made really on a whim that turned into a real conference and has amazing stuff. Very, nothing you would find in a normal conference because people self organized and made it happen. I think, Calvin, I think you've got experience with uh, PyCon. I or, like, have
1: experienced and. some of this through um, the East Coast Game Conference Coast Game as well. As well. Uh, That was a great experience. There was a lot of people there with with their small... I mean, there is a heavy influence of Epic, especially because they are a big funder and they're nearby, Uh, but there's a lot of of independent developers there showing off stuff or rambling each other's development. So there's a particular row of, of booths that's all just the local indie developers, and they're all super friendly, and I'm sitting at each other's booths just sharing what they've been working on. Yeah. So that that's that's a really cool experience um but a again one that uh, didn't happen this year and uh, nice. isn't going to happen uh, this coming time so um but there's a lot of like I said there's uh you know there's the a- avenues like fun devlogs on on forums and stuff but I I think there's also now maybe highlighted by the events of this year yeah a space for something something like a game review blog or or you know a place for them to be reviewed that's not about uh, here's a you know game announcement from from this publisher or even from this indie developer, but here's a thing that someone put a lot of heart into, and it it shows, and just reveling in that.
0: Yeah, you could um, make a whole podcast about just reviewing games from the Black Lives Matter bundle recently.
1: Yeah, and it would take you years to get through, at, even at one a day. Mm-hmm.
0: But, but not to say listeners shouldn't give that a try. Hell, maybe we can do it ourselves. Podcast. I would love
1: to. I would love to do a game dev probably YouTube channel uh, with some sort of, of gimmick to make it consistent. Oh, yeah. Like I've, I've had a couple of thoughts about that and especially focusing on smaller games, I think, because I notice a big lack of any reviewing or appreciation of them in any media I find really. Um, but they're just as bad. Like I, I love games that I can experience in a small time too. Not that every labor of love is a small thing. Um, many of them are, and I, I would love there to be a better way of showcasing those from all over. Well, yeah. uh, and the things you talked about are fantastic. I, I have to point out because this is something that comes up a lot. How many of us aren't in New York and you guys have yeah. all these things that you have the right uh, threshold of people to be able to do that. Uh, you can't even do those at a smaller scale. A lot of times, not yeah. not maybe, maybe this you can, but like a lot of the, a lot of the things that you have the, the threshold of people to do um, at a smaller scale, just, doesn't even have enough to get off the ground yeah. which is unfortunate but it's it's what i've experienced trying to do similar things in other places and some things do work um uh, but that's you know so finding a way to embrace the these kind of projects and this kind of work uh in a different forum than is also um and I'd, I'd love to have a way to do that or just like with many other things i'd love to do if somebody else would do it so i can just enjoy <laughs> it that would work well for me too
0: yeah i had yeah, that's not always an option. Like, I had to make my own dinner tonight because my girlfriend was out elsewhere, and it's not pretty good, but I digress. I know it's like, no one's really meeting in person this year anyway, so all the more reason to get together an online conference. Or heck, do on-site conference, mini-conferences or half-conference in multiple towns and broadcast Uh, a switch between them. You have like half the audience in Baltimore, half the other one in Raleigh, and broadcast back and forth. like... Aggregate. Getting a good ag- uh, aggregate attendance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that we're going to see a lot of experimental ways to organize come out of the next year or two. Oh, yeah. Um, VR chat. Right now, people are just kind of... Well, we're getting past about the point where everybody's just sort of in still in the process of all the work it took to cancel so many things. Oh, yeah. And now people are going to start to have all of this extra resources and time to start to do some new things. Um, and use a few... Uh, are coming up already. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. I bet there will be not just some, there'll be some things that are like, okay, this year we're going to do our yearly conference. Um, we're going to do it online and you know, we'll, 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 make do. And other things are going to be, we find that we can do our, our project entirely uh, separate from a physical location. And so we're yeah. going to switch and other yeah. things are going to be born all new and say, Hey, I, we're going to reach out to all these people we know or at home and we're going to start a whole new community um, in a whole new way. And I don't know what something is going to look like because there's going to be just a lot of new energy and people pouring into the, uh, the sort of hyperspace of online communities because of the, the need for them and because of how many people don't have any other choice. Yeah, so It'll be an interesting time to see where that all goes and what grows out of it.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it's been a pretty good chat. So probably some takeaways. Maybe we should have a side quest completed. Online convention. They call it something like Main Quest completed or some Ooh, other punny name.
1: That is a fantastic goal, if just for the punny name. Exactly.
0: All right So, uh, anything else you want to cover on this topic? I know,
1: actually. Yeah. i i a lot of times we finish a conversation and I think, well, I mean, you can go on and on for a lot of things, but there's also so much time. And um, I think we covered a lot of the, the specific bases that I would want to cover in this topic. And yeah. it's fun to talk about. It's, um, Okay. Yeah, there is one thing I would want to, to highlight a little bit more, oh, yeah. um, which is, and I, I'm sure we touched on this, but something I wanted to talk a little bit more in depth about, and I just so I'll just say a little bit, which is, um, game dev for game dev's sake is a very important protection against burnout. Oh, yeah. um, it's a important protection against some negative thought patterns around productivity. Um, oh, yeah. It's an alternative option for a lot of the existing motivations that may work for you and may not. Not everybody who wants to make games wants to get them on Steam. Not everybody who makes games cares about finishing them. As far as much as we talk about the struggles with finishing games and how much it bothers us to not finish some of our games, there are plenty of projects I don't mind not finishing. And sometimes when I need to remember that, it's not always easy because there's a culture of completing things being a goal in and of itself, but it is not. Yeah. Um it is it's almost one like, of the goals.
0: Sounds like walking into um cooking channel on Reddit and wondering why everyone's talking about the restaurant they're opening. You just want to make a fancy dinner.
1: Yes. Yeah, that is a, that's a fantastic a fantastic comparison. So um, like how do I boil eggs? Help. And I, I I I am thinking of saying this in the terms of like there are different levels of of how you can enjoy creation, but I yeah. don't even want to say that because that implies a hierarchy or one thing being higher or lower than, than the other ways to enjoy it and the other ways you can get out of it. And it's not, you know, the, neither is better than the other. Making a game for yourself that you never release just because you enjoy implementing A-star algorithms is not less than in any way releasing a game through a publisher and and getting 100,000 sales. Yeah, it's totally legit.
0: I guess the important thing is, like, where does your fulfillment come from? Because if you are... Well, if you're very deliberate in your search for a game that publisher will pick up, and you mold your effort around that, and you can maybe pull that off. But whichever one you do, is important you focus on the self-development aspect of that. Because you can't control whether a publisher will pick up your game, whether it'll get great reviews on Steam, whether you necessarily can be able to complete it. But you can work in a direction that will grow you as a developer, as a person, all along the way. And regardless of what the external outcome is, you'll have a positive internal outcome. And that's like part of why I made AnthroTari a team project with contractors, other writers, um, like Lane, like Ellen McGrody, Lane, Farlight, I was like a reference, um, was to purposely practice basically being the producer director of a game and that made it the whole experience much well one much less stressful because yes. i knew I wasn't trying to you know was it put this thing out as a full-fledged game and knew that whatever happened team-wise i would grow from it
1: right it, it's important to to recognize that the different games you make and different projects those motivations you talked yeah. about will be different um and that's also fine you know so like like you're saying about like you added in these other motivations. And then you also, when you're talking about um, your uh, bitter radish game, that, that is more of a, the personal game for game's sake. And so it's not always about what is the motivation, but what is today's motivation? Or yeah. having sometimes two projects at once so that you can pick up on whichever motivation is stronger that day. Um yeah. Or so, it might be that you find that some motivations are healthier for you than others. And so you find the projects that capitalize on those motivations rather than the unhealthy ones. Yeah. Or, yeah, you, you want to, you know, so if, for example, if you get so, you know, if you get very distraught over the lack of success for your game, maybe game dev for game dev's sake is a healthier way to explore game development than trying to make a top 10.
0: Yeah. And pretty much every indie game that's end up being a breakout success. Started as a passion project that evolved beyond that, and we don't see the countless numbers of ones that stayed passion projects or are currently passion projects that will uh, break out later. Yes, yeah, you know, getting, getting back to the whole, what is the intrinsic motivation? Because that's the only one for which you can control the results.
1: Yeah, that's that's important. There are so many external factors whenever you go beyond game dev sake for game dev sake that. It's a uh, a kind of importance uh, safety cove, like it's a it's a little oh, yeah. shelter from that outside influence that can drag your game down, or that can create impossible uh, metrics and, and comparisons that you can't your game can't live up to. Uh, it is is a safe, healthy place either to to begin and grow and explore, or to stay in if that's where you want to stay in because that's yep. perfectly valid.
0: This is a space where I want to recommend apps like Dalio. D A Y L I O mobile app mm-hmm. for tracking mm-hmm. your mood. Because one thing I do was track my Anthotari work mood in, in that app, and I can see the correlation between doing my little bit of Anthotari every day and a positive mood. And that is very useful metrics. I would have if I was leaning negative every time I finished my daily Anthotari work, I knew something needed to change. Um, if I found myself regularly working on some other project where I get Positive or really positive moods, that'd be a direction to move towards. But right, so, so you're saying that the, tricks, that,
1: yeah. You're, you're saying like if you had gotten negative, negative metrics for the way you feel after working on even your main project and maybe that's a sign not to change how, what you're doing about it, but to work on something else. Yeah. And when you embrace that you can do game dev because you love game dev, it's okay to say this project's. Is not the one for me even regardless of how much time i've put into it it's not giving me back the energy i need so yeah. whatever form it is that you need out of it
0: yeah it's so important to track that those feelings over time too to see which way they're trending because you don't want to give it up on a just because of one bad day which could be simply a side effect of a bad work week but if you yeah you know, if you can look mm-hmm. back and see for last days weeks months years it's been overall positive experience that can do a lot to help see you through a rough batch and get back to what you really enjoy.
1: Absolutely. So now have we covered everything important on this topic? I had I have something else to, to inject in here. So do you have anything? It sounds like yes. you do before I even finish the question.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have a book recommendation. I mentioned it before. It's called Ultra Learning by Scott Young, Scott H. Young. And one of the projects he uses as an example in his book is Stardew Valley. And does a lot to cover how ultra learning overlaps with the very deliberate self development path that the creator of Stardew Valley took to when creating Stardew Valley. That project was first and foremost about making himself a better developer and creating the kind of Harvest Moon he wished he'd had growing up, and that made for what is a not like really a blow away game, Stardew Valley. Hmm. That's a good book itself. I quite enjoyed it and recommend it to really anyone because it's such a broad topic, Ultra Learning, which is to say very deliberate learning and tightest possible time frame for material results and techniques and strategies for actually achieving that. The same guy who I went will. to the entire MIT uh, undergrad's computer science coursework in one year.
1: I will add a, a link to that book in the, the show notes as well as add it to my my list of many books to get around to reading. But towards the yep. top, because that sounds... I'm trying to find more things to... Um, I'm trying to find more resources to kind of um, intentionally study better and intentionally expand my, my understanding and knowledge. Then uh, definitely ultra-learning. So yeah, that sounds like a, a good thing to add to that. Because um, yeah, study and learning doesn't come as implicit or passive as it used to and maybe a factor of age or life or or what so this may be a good resource dealing yeah, with some thing.
0: of that yeah I recommend reading it very next thing because you'll get more value out of the rest of your reading and studying and watching. that's whatnot. a good
1: well that's a good point
0: yeah. yeah it's like i'm doing that i am reading through atomic habits towards that same end because that it's going to be a keystone book to unlock productivity and focus and better energy their health, whatnot, all kinds of things that will enable more game dev and more productive. Anyone else on those lines? Yeah, mostly those two right now. And of course, the uh, what's his name, Austin Kleon, his books, which are good sort of creative inspiration, kick in the keister. And think, Calvin, think you had something else of your own, Dad?
1: I don't think I did.
0: Oh, cool. let's have one more thing. If I come back to you right after we finish
1: the episode, what do you bet? Yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: All right, so we we'll want to jump on to, I guess, uh, what we've been reading, watching, whatnot
1: yeah sure um, right. let me start i because I, I wrapped up a couple of things i'm starting some new things all right um steam sale is as has started a few days ago and i have over a hundred dollars in my cart of stuff don't do it don't but, do it but in that the one thing that makes it i'm not just buying stuff to add them to my library is the uh, Doom Eternal was half off, and I just finished the first one only uh, about a month or two. So I'm really looking forward to picking that up and finishing uh, that Doom. I love that, and I can't wait to get more. So that will be fun. Um, In non-game media, I have finished the fourth season of the show Magicians, which is just great. Love it. Uh, There's one more season that hasn't hit Netflix yet. It is the last season. Um, If you haven't Ever seen it? I highly recommend it, uh, and I'm I'm really looking forward to the very last season. But I really enjoyed uh, this this past fourth. So, um, sort of in a similar vein, I'm watching uh, the second season of The Order, which is a Netflix original about a secret magic society out of college, and is pretty cool. There are a trio of warlocks right now Were- in locks. the show. Yes, multi-class. part werewolf, part warlock. Yeah, so the multi class. Yes. Oh, it's so good. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving pretty much anything like that these days. Not getting it may be an effect of the uh, delay of the second half of the Supernatural finale season. So they had to split that out to yet another season that will be next year because they couldn't finish it. Understandably. So um, I think in response, I'm I'm looking for anything. Well, both I'm looking for anything like that to fill that gap, and also that it's the end of Supernatural means I need something going forward. So the fact uh, that the Magicians is ending. Doesn't really help that, but it's a stopgap.
0: Nice. Yes. No. Uh, from my end, uh, Girlfriend and I recently finished uh, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beast. Oh, I so it. good. Yeah, it filled a hole left by which one? Dragon Prince. We've been feeling there for a while. I've also been watching too much of Girlfriend reviews on YouTube, which uh, Girlfriend and I can both identify with from both sides of that, being the Watcher or the watchy. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mentioned Ultra Learning. What else? I got back into Breath, uh, played on the Wii U ages ago, and I know Breath of the Wild Two isn't that far away, so I wanted to be cut up on that, fresh on that. I've been watching way too many Zelda fan theory videos over the last uh, several months, and it's had me all hyped to play it again, and it holds up really well. I mean, I. It's the funniest thing is, I think if one of the last stables I visited on this playthrough would have been one of the worst first ones I visited in the original playthrough because there's so much to do in there, it just feels fresh every time. So, a lot of inspiration for Des there. But of course, the caution that it's a lot of content. If you don't have a lot of time, either compact or spread out, or access to a team who can do a lot of content, uh, be careful about taking on a high content in your dev. But beyond that, um. Not too much. Um reading a book, uh, MC Hogarth, uh, the fourth book in her Karashtar series, which I can't spell for life for me, but really enjoying that. There I also, say, hyper-social books, because about alien civilization with some contact with humans from their point of view. Talking a lot about their language, how it differs from English, how it, uh, their society is very, very different. And it's very interesting study. I'll have uh, to put that in the show notes. Uh, anything else no that's pretty much it for me i did actually build my first pwa the other day progressive web app and ah made, fun yeah i did i made it out of a twine
1: nice so, that's yeah. that's that should be uh that's a fun avenue to take yeah
0: i took some trouble to put all that together i'm probably going to try forking an existing uh, i wanna say theme story format and make that more pwa compatible out of the box so fingers crossed yeah. that was an interesting little challenge nice little the expansion of the craft. I didn't know how to do PWAs before this project, and now I have some idea of how to. That's great. Yeah, uh, I guess we gonna move on to game dev progress.
1: Yes, um, great. I have gotten some progress over the last couple of weeks that that has had been eluding me, uh, which is growing my pro- my growing the current build from a essentially single prototype level to having a world map where I can click on any of the locations on the map and go to that level which is loaded from a data file which not has only has the layout with some decorative and actual physical objects in the map but um, define things like what are the, the the target goals for that level to beat it because they all have different uh, different goals so that I can start to actually build out you know the, the game design out of the features I've I've been building which is uh, an important milestone because it means that not only can I start to build out levels but I can have more than one at a time to be building out features that apply to different levels you know where I can add uh, new units that you know for example are in later levels that aren't in the first level so it doesn't yeah. make sense that, to be adding it all to just one test level also gives me you know this loading and saving system so that i can work on an, an editor for, for the levels soon Ooh. so it's a, it's a really really important milestone that got me um to open up a lot of doors and so i was excited to get that working um it went it went pretty smooth and i was able to, to implement all three of the main um, level goal types that that the level editor can define so now i can start to build out different kinds of levels and start to play with how the balance of, of costs of different units and threshold of the, the um, end-level conditions will balance out. So like can you're getting up- into
0: the crunchy bits.
1: Yes, yes. I'm really excited because it opens up so many uh, so many new things that I can work on that I just didn't really have a place to put in the game until I had this stuff in place.
0: Yeah. Uh, funny enough, I mentioned Crunchy. That reminds me of a recommendation I have. Magic Spoon Cereal, which is a sort of protein cereal. The... Like, not flour-based, not wheat-based. Just uh rinse other stuff. Like, doesn't spike your blood sugar. Uh, Fills you up another way. Kitty! Uh, and it's just interesting things we've been trying out these last few weeks. But to get back on to the game diff, uh it's been steady progress on Anthotari. at Pomodoro every day, slowly adding up, hoping to push through what looked like scary uh, editing, refactoring challenges, or much less so even after one Pomodoro of actually working through it. Because again, often the biggest blocker to doing something is to push over that hump of getting started. So you imagine what's going to challenge to be much worse than actually. Um, didn't really do anything on sweet turnips because just end up doing other things these weekends, which is fine because it's a, a fun thing just to work around with, just like that car in the garage you always noodle around with. The PWA thing was very much for sort a of spur of the moment, sort of just inspiration struck and hit by uh, iron was hot. That was fun. Um, I don't remember if I mentioned the podcast before, but I did on my Patreon update last month. I'm going to be donating all of the year to date earnings, gross earnings from the Anthotari Patreon to the Black Lives Matter cause. So that's pre tax, pre fees, whatnot. And looking for a particular donation spot over the weekend and hopefully get that out there very soon. That's, that's
1: fantastic. That's, uh, yeah. I, I admire that. Yeah, at
0: least I could do. Uh, that's what i've got for game dev updates it would be the same thing going forward just slow but steady progress it adds up bye bye bye
1: yeah i think um i think my next focus now that i have like i said more places to put new things in to get back to i haven't added any unit types for a while as i've Mm -hmm. been building out things like the um the pathfinding render optimizations that i needed a, a couple sprints ago and now all this editing and loading stuff I think now I can get back to adding some content will be nice so I'm gonna add at least uh, a new one new Viking type and one new Ooh. mushroom type nice uh, and that'll uh, you know different energies you can spend in different of uh, times that's I get back to um, or scratch that kind of itch for a bit so that'll be nice
0: nice all right uh, sounds like we're good to go for
1: today. Yeah, uh, it's been great talking to you. Um, you Calvin. Yeah. I was looking forward to the topic, and it went fantastic. I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to, to sharing this this conversation with everybody.
0: Yeah, I want to thank the listeners for also dropping in and giving us an ear. Hope you all are doing uh, well out there as well. Stay safe, and listen next time.
1: Yeah, and I want to say, um, if you get bored in between listenings, uh, <laughs> check the website for the Discord link and uh, chat with us anytime. Yeah, Glad to have you all there. Looking forward to seeing you on the Discord. Thank you for listening to the SideQuest Completed podcast. If you aren't subscribed, find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or at our website, sidequestcompleted.com, where you can find all our episodes and an invite link to our new Discord server.